Uh, for the believer, Thanksgiving is not a day. It's the will of God. It is, according to 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It is God's will that we are a thankful people. Uh, here in Luke chapter number 17, we're going to jump and start reading in verse number 11. Uh, but a familiar passage of Scripture about uh, ten men, they all had leprosy. And I want to read that real quick in uh, Luke chapter 17. Let's start reading in verse number 11. The Bible says, It came to pass as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Let's pray. God, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to look at your word tonight, today. And Lord, I thank you, Father, for the message, Lord, um, that, uh, Lord, you've given for us in this hour. But Lord, I also thank you, Lord, for all of your churches that, Lord, as men are getting up to share right now, I pray that God... Lord, people would listen, lost souls would be saved, lives would be helped here and there, and in the hours to come, Lord, as we continue, Lord, going west, Lord, that, Lord, I think of my brothers and, Lord, my friends in Oklahoma, Missouri, scattered abroad Illinois, and areas that God you'd help them as they preach, give them your word. Pray for Brother Harris, Lord, out, out there in Mexico, and a couple hours he'll be preaching. I pray you'd use him. Bless, Lord, uh, their services today as well. And, uh, Lord, as the 11 o'clock hour comes on the West Coast, that, Lord, you'd be with all of your churches. God, the men of God would have your word, your wisdom, most importantly, your power. And Lord, we pray for the same here. I pray that, Lord, you just please speak to us. Thank you, God, for your love. And Lord, we do just praise you. And we humbly ask you, Lord, to put a hedge about this place. And may your son be glorified. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. In this passage, ten lepers, um, they know they're going to die. Because the disease of leprosy had no cure. Um, the only time anyone was ever cured was just by the grace and the mercy of God. Most who would receive this disease would die a miserable death. These ten were facing that sentencing, but praise the Lord, they met Jesus that day. He would heal them, and they would go their way, but as the Bible taught, only one would return to give thanks to the Lord, which is sadly way too typical of us as believers. We go on our way rejoicing that we met the Lord and what God has done for us, but too few take the time to stop 
and to fall at his feet and thank him for it. And we realize in this text that the Lord pays attention to those who stop and give thanks and praise him as we ought to. And I want us to consider a few thoughts from this passage about a thankful man. We're just going to go verse by verse. I'll give you some thoughts. Number one and verse number 11, I want you to see a seeking Savior. A seeking Savior. The Bible says in verse number 11, it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. The Lord did not by chance take that path. The Lord purposely went where he knew these men would be. He went there, as the Bible says there, uh, in the midst of Samaria and Galilee, along the border between Samaria and Galilee. There he went and he traveled that way because he had a purpose in doing so. Because he had a passion in doing so. He loved those men. He had a plan for them. He wanted them to be healed that day. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. The Bible teaches in Luke chapter 19 and verse number 10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. The Bible says in verse number 12, As they entered into a certain village. Now, I do not know what that village was exactly, but the Lord knew exactly where he was going. And he went there with a purpose. He went to that certain village at a certain place at a certain time because he knew there would be 10 men there who he was about to change their life. The Lord went there and he went to them. Understand this today. There are no accidents. There are no coincidences. There are divine appointments that God has for us that he wants to use us. The Bible says, and, and praise the Lord for it, that he came for us. He came to us. He came because of us. He came to this world to save the lost, of which you and I are part of that group. But he came because he had a plan, he had a purpose, and he has always been, and he is today, a seeking Savior. He is looking for those who are lost. Today, if you don't know that heaven is your home, you are not sitting in this auditorium by chance. If you do not know that you're going to heaven when this world and your time on this world ends, if you're watching right now on a screen, it is not by chance. God wants you to hear this truth. Yes. That he loves you so much. Yes. He sent his son to die for you. You understand this today that we cannot, on our own efforts and our own merits get to heaven right. I understand and I, I never I make it a point not to try to preach doubt into people's lives I won't do that but I will tell you the truth that God wants everyone to leave this place knowing they're going to heaven and he wants you to know that he loves you but he wants you to know that without him, on your own, in your own merits, in your own works, the best we've got 
is all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And without him, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Without him, apart from Jesus, we have no hope of eternal life. But through him, you can know you're going to heaven. Say, what has to take place? You have to understand, he's a seeking Savior. That Jesus came to this world to save the lost. That was me. That was you. And today, if you don't know that you're saved today, I want you to know there's a God in heaven that loves you, that sent his son for the purpose of coming to you, for the purpose of dying for your sins, for the purpose of having a relationship with you. When I was 14, I knew some scriptures. I memorized. I was raised in church. But I had to come to a point when I realized that I was the sinner. I had to realize that I was lost. And I had to make a choice that day. Praise God, I did. To go to the Lord confessing my sin. Knowing who I was. And I, didn't, I couldn't define a lot of the words I know today, but I did know this, that without Jesus and without asking his salvation, I would die and go to hell. And that day I asked the Lord to save me, and praise God he did. Because the Bible says, they that come to me I will in no wise cast out. And if you're here today and you're lost, I want you to know he's seeking you. He's seeking you. And he wants you to be saved. I see a seeking Savior, then I see in verse number 12, a similar sickness. A similar sickness. It says, as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. There's ten men gathered here together. They all had different backgrounds. All had different stories. Our knowledge, and best we know, they came from different homes different social backgrounds, different groups of friends, different nationalities. Some were Jews. At least one was a Samaritan. Different personalities, different prejudices. Had it not been for this sickness, they would have never even been hanging out with each other. But they had one thing in common. They all had the same terrible sickness. Well, they all had different stories. And their lives probably would have never crossed. But because of this terrible sickness, there they all were, found themselves together. A similar sickness. There's a lost world out there, there's a lot of different backgrounds. A lot of different stories. A lot of different nationalities. A lot of different prejudices. A lot of different groups. A lot of different personalities. But we're all born into this world with one thing in common. We have a common issue. We're all sinners. And while all these men, I don't know their social statuses and where they came from and what they did before this point, but I do know this, that when any of us approach the Lord Jesus Christ, it is level ground on the cross. 
And you and I, when we come to the Lord, there's not one better than another. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. We're all sinners. And just like that disease of leprosy, it condemns us to death. The wages of sin is death. Without the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no hope. No one can offer apart from Jesus. I see here a seeking Savior and a similar sickness. But in verse number 13, I see a strong solicitation. Verse number 13, it says, And they lifted up their voices. They didn't whisper. They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he passed by that day, they all lifted up their voice and they all cried out. And I want you to notice what they cried out. I see, first of all, his purpose. They cried out, and the first thing they said was what? Jesus. Jesus. Listen to me. His name says it all. He is Savior. He is Jesus. He is the one sent and the only one who could die for our sins. I see his purpose, and I see his position. When they cry out, they said, Jesus, and then they said, Master, they recognized him for who he is. They understood who he is. He is our Savior, he is Jesus, but he's also our Master. It's good for us to remind ourselves of that today. We're not our own Master, he should be our Master. But I see his purpose, I see his position, but then they also called out to him according to his passion. Jesus, Master, Have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. You know, when they cried out, someone had told them who he was. These ten men, and I don't know the exact circumstances, but I know the Lord went to them on purpose. And when they knew it was him, they cried out, Jesus That's why he came, to be our Savior. Master, that's who he is. He's in control of all things. Have mercy on us. That's his passion. I just just taught in Sunday school about something I think is so important. And uh, I don't want to teach that whole lesson now, but listen, God is not in heaven looking for an excuse and a reason to make your life miserable. The world pictures that. A lot of Christians believe that. It isn't true. He is not, and a lot of people have this this misconception about God that he's waiting for us to step out of line, just wanting to, you know, to 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 do to you know strike lightning down or make things go wrong and, and that he gets some sort of joy. Listen. All he wants is to enjoy a relationship with you. He loves us. He loves us beyond our comprehension. He loves us. And he is waiting. You remember the old sinner standing there? And all he could do is smite his own chest and say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. 
God heard that prayer. Listen, there's so many people sometimes they think that God can't save them. False. God won't save them. False. He is waiting in heaven. I'll, I'll preach tonight. I hope you're here tonight. I'll preach tonight, Lord willing, when, when Joseph is, is there and, and uh, he gathers all of his brothers there and they're all sitting at the table and he has to excuse himself. Right. And he goes into his room and he, and he falls on his bed and he weeps. Right. Why is he weeping? Because what he wants to do is run in there and hug their neck and kiss their cheek. What he wants to do is say, everything's going to be okay. What he wants to do is embrace them and say, it's me. But he's waiting. They have to have a repentant heart. But he wept. Jesus looked over to the city of Jerusalem and he wept. Let me tell you why he wept. Because all he wanted was to see them come to truth. To have a relationship with him. There's a God in heaven today. He looks down upon you. And what he wants is for you and he to have a relationship that he might love you, share his love with you, that he might direct you and give you that joy and peace. Now, there is a chastening when we are stubborn in our sins, but he chastens his children just like a father does his children. He chastens us just to get us back to where we need to be. That's why he chastens us for restoration. They cried out with a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have mercy. And then I see a simple surrender in verse number 14. A simple surrender. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. I see the condition of healing. The condition of healing here was an obedient faith. It wasn't seeing is believing. It was believe, and you'll see. (laughs) And they did. You see, for them to go to the priest if they weren't cleansed was a death sentence. And when the Lord told them to go show themselves to the priest, they were covered in leprosy. Because the Bible says, as they went, they were cleansed. It was, they had to show faith there. You and I are saved if we're going to heaven. It's all the same way. For by grace are you saved through faith. We took God at his word. We believed what he said was true, that we are sinners, that his son died for us and rose again. And by faith, we receive the gift of God, which is eternal life. The condition of healing was an obedient faith. Then you see confidence in their healing. As they walked by faith, they were more secure in their faith. Now they were cleansed when the Lord said they were cleansed. You and I, the moment you put your faith in Him, were saved and once saved, praise God, we're always saved. But the more you walk by faith in your life, the more you walk and learn of Him and hear of Him and apply it to your life, the more secure you are in your faith. That's why Paul was able to say, I know whom I have believed in. 
and am persuaded that he is able, right? Those three Hebrew children, they had walked a while in their faith. And when the king said, repent or be thrown into the fiery furnace, they looked at him and said, our God is able. They had faith. Faith that God would make the right choice. If God wanted to, he would deliver them out of that fiery furnace. If God chose not to, they were just going to be in paradise. Praise God, they win either way. They were secure in their faith. A lot of Christians are insecure in their faith because they're not walking by faith. I'll say it again. A lot of Christians are insecure in their faith because they're not walking by faith. You don't study the Word of God. You don't have a walk or a relationship with the Lord. You don't pray with the Lord. You hit and miss church, and then you wonder why you're kind of, eh, on things. Get in the book. Draw close to Him. I see a seeking Savior, a similar sickness, a strong solicitation, a simple surrender. They did what God said. And God did some great things. Amen? But then you see a single sacrifice. Verse 15 and 16, the Bible says, one of them. One of them, when he saw that he was healed. I pause here and say this, there was a realization of healing. This one person, the Bible says, when he saw that he was healed. Man, all of a sudden, he's walking, probably with the other ten. He's heading to the priest, and he looks down. It's gone. Those nasty, putrid sores, they're, they're healed. Man, he realized, look what that man did for me. Our problem is this, we don't take the time. I, I, I gave a devotion this week in our, in our uh, uh, high school, there in Isaiah, where the Lord said, and I preached on it on Thursday night at, uh, Thursday at the nursing home. It's just a powerful verse. The prophet said, ye that seek the Lord. Look into the rock in which you're hewn and to the pit in which you've been dug. The prophet said this. He said, it's good for us to realize, look where Christ has placed you. Look where God has placed you. We are hewn in the rock. It is secure. It's going nowhere. You know, I asked the folks at the nursing home, I said, how many of you seen Mount Rushmore? And they're all like, oh, yeah, they've seen that, right? I, and, you know, and those faces have been hewn in the rock. There's been a lot of rain hit that. There's been a lot of storms hit that. It's still there. What has been hewn in the rock isn't going anywhere. Praise God, the moment you and I got saved, we were placed in Christ Jesus, who is that rock, who is that cornerstone. He is the one, and he's never moving, and nor will we. We are forever his. But the prophet also said, but also look at that pit from which you were dug. It's good for us to stop every once in a while and look, where would we be had it not been for Christ? Look at the mess that he delivered me from. 
But my favorite psalm is Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit and out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. He hath put a new song in my heart, even praise unto our God, and many shall see it and fear and trust in the Lord. Thank the Lord for what he did for us. He took us out of that pit and put us upon the rock. As he went, he realized he was healed. I think it would be really good for us today. In just a moment, we're going to bow our head. And the first thing, if you're saved today, stop and rejoice what God has done for you. you, There was a realization of healing, and then there was a return to honor. It says he turned back with a loud voice, glorified God. He turned around because he just wanted to praise the one who had saved his life. It's good to do that today. All of God's people have reason to come today and fall on our face and say, thank you, God. You say, well, I just don't, you know, big deal. You need to stop and realize where you would be had it not been for Christ. You need to understand where he's placed you. We are seated with him in heavenly places. You know what that means? It's never going to change. We are as good as going to be there because we're already there. I can't explain it all. I'm going to tell you this. It's secure. God has done that for us. There's a realization of healing, a return to honor, and then a rendering of happiness. And verse number 16, and fell down at his face and his feet and giving him thanks. He just began to praise him. Take the time to realize. Take the time to return. Take the time to render today. Thank you, God, for my salvation. Because just like that man, we are some, he was a Samaritan, an outcast, didn't deserve the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. But praise God, he got it anyways. And I got the same testimony today, amen? There was a single sacrifice, and then I want you to see in verse 17 and 18, a Savior's surprise. And I I know that he knew who was going to come back. Look at his words, and Jesus answered, said, were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? I just draw this point out one more time today before we leave this place and we have a choice of whether to stop and give him praise and thank him for what he's done. Because I do want you to remember this, that the Lord pays attention. (coughs) Pays attention. I mean, right? Were there not ten? Where are the nine? If Brother Ricky bows his head today before he leaves this place and says, Oh God, thank you. Where would I be without you? My life would be a disaster. My home would be a disaster. You saved my life. I'm not going to hell. I deserve to go to hell, but I'm not going to hell. I get to go to heaven to be with you for all of eternity. Thank you, God, for what you've done. Thank you, God. I'm so undeserving. I praise you today. And I decide to say, I'm glad I'm going to heaven, big deal. The Lord takes notice. Now again, God's not going to slap me in the side of the face. 
But he deserves that honor today. Yes. And he is worthy of that honor. Yes. And you and I, we get so focused on everything going around us and all the little things that really, who cares? It'd be good for us to praise him today. He pays attention. Then I want you to see the appreciation in verse number 18. Save your surprise. He pays attention in verse number 18. It says, They're not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. The Lord appreciated the one that stopped. He didn't earn any more cleansing than the other nine. He didn't earn any more love than the other nine. But the Lord appreciated that he stopped. The Lord not only is worthy of our praise, he values our praise. And he should find our, his praise from our lips today. We should rejoice and praise the Lord for what he's done in our lives. He says there, save the stranger. Only one turned back. And here's the danger that I see in that. Nothing that happened here, but why him? I think he felt more of a thanksgiving to God because he knew he wasn't a Jew. And he knew he didn't deserve... If anyone... If God, in his mind, not that it is the way God thinks, but in his mind... He could see why Jesus would do that for those others, but he did it for him. Yes. Probably today, those that were saved out of wicked lifestyle and alcohol and drugs, and it's easier for them to fall on their face today and say, wow, yes. I'd be dead if it wasn't for you, God. Yes. Sometimes, everybody look at me, us that were raised in church, and this is all we've known. There's a greater temptation to take it all for granted. God forbid we be like those Jews. I hope that we'd be like that Samaritan today and say, God, I'm just as unworthy. I don't deserve it, but thank you, Lord, for saving a wreck like me. And I close with this thought in verse number 19. A special saint. Special saint. And he, Jesus, said unto him, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. This one man, he was commended. This one man, look at it, he was commissioned. This one man, he was complete. Thy faith hath made thee whole. He showed a greater maturity than those others and that he stopped to give praise and thanks. It's not who has been delivered from the most that should praise the Lord. Those who are strong in the faith and more mature in the faith will be the first to praise the Lord because we realize, look what Jesus 
has done for me. This week of Thanksgiving, I pray that every believer would be like this Samaritan. Let's take the time to look at ourselves and examine ourselves and see where we'd be and what God has done. And I encourage every believer today before you leave this place to stop and say, thank you, God. Thank you for saving me. None of us deserve that had it not been for the mercy and the greatness of our God. If you're here today and you're not saved and you don't know that heaven's your home, I want you to notice God loves you. And he doesn't want you to die and go to hell. He is not willing that any should perish. That same salvation that changed my life all those years ago is the same salvation that he wants to change your life today. You're saved the same way I'm saved, and I'm saved the same way anyone else is saved. By recognizing I'm a sinner, that God loves me and sent a son for me who died for my sins, paid for my sins, and rose again and conquered my sins. That today that eternal life is mine if I by faith and repentance will look to him.